Lord, and we're glad that you're here to worship with us. And we welcome our guests, especially this morning, and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship the Lord together. One of the ways that we'd like to uh, greet you and to welcome you here is to have us to greet one another. So let me invite you to stand up and turn around, shake the hands of the people around you, and uh, just greet each other in the name of the Lord. And um, somebody you don't know and introduce yourself this morning. Thank you so much. It is great to share a moment of fellowship with one another. In, in, light, of, uh, in light of events that have taken place this, uh, this week, I think I want to share with you a, a passage of Scripture that uh, I think is very appropriate for this week, and it comes from Psalm 46 which says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth shall change and the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, we will not fear, for the Lord is with us. Uh, amen. <laughs> it has been an eventful week, an eventful time. And I tell you what, I was talking to Mary the other day. I called her and, and she said, floods and earthquakes, floods and earthquakes, surely the end must be coming. <laughs> We're glad that you're here. Let me call to your attention a few announcements that we have this morning. Uh, first of all, our mission team will be meeting this afternoon at 4.30, so if you're a part of our mission team, I hope that you, you can be here for that, uh, that meeting. It's a, an important meeting. We've got a lot of things that we need to talk about, so if you could be here at 4.30, we'd certainly appreciate that. Also, some other things that are coming up, you see in your, in your worship folder an insert. We're going to be having a spring cleanup day, and that's Saturday, this coming Saturday from 9 to 12, and uh, most of our spring cleanup will be outside things. Uh, we're hoping for good weather on Saturday, and we'll be doing some outside cleanup stuff, some trimming hedges and uh, picking up limbs and things like that. And a couple of fun things that are coming up uh, in the next few months. Uh, we're planning a rafting trip for, on Memorial Day. We're heading over to the New River in West Virginia, and what we'll do is we'll leave right after worship service on Sunday morning or Sunday around noon and head over there and do our rafting on Monday and then come back that night. So if you would like to be a part of that, there's a sign-up sheet down here on the bulletin board, and we invite you to sign up for that. And then in July, uh, for Christian Family Day, there's uh, a baseball game. We'll go over to St. Louis and watch the Cards play the Padres. And so if you'd like to be a part of that, we invite you to sign up on the sign-up sheet over there as well. Uh, it's great to, to be busy, having fun, and enjoying each other's fellowship and, and also doing a lot of ministry for God's name. Let me call to your attention our scripture for today. There are three passages of scripture uh, that we'll be focusing on. I'll read two now and then read another just before the message. 
The first passage I would like to read is one that's familiar to all of us, and, and that's Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The next passage comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 20. If you endure when you do right and suffer for it, you have God's approval. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was abused, he did not return abuse. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that free from sins we might live for justice. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were going astray like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your soul. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for this time that we can gather together and worship you. We thank you for your presence with us your spirit that dwells within our hearts and leads us like a shepherd. We thank you, God, for the direction that you give to us and the example that you have set, for the voice that you use to call us, O God, and the, the way that you lead. And we pray that we may be faithful to follow in your steps. Be with us, O God, as we worship you. Bring your spirit into this place. Help us, O oh God, to be very sensitive to hear your voice and to follow in your way. For it is in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
boys and girls. Miss Phyllis is going to be with you this morning, and if you want to come over this area and have one, someone who want to help you, that is great. If you need a big person to hold your hand, and you're because this is sort of spooky for you, then come right ahead, and we're glad to have you with us. Later on, our children, second grade and below, will be able to go to Children's Church after we have our offertory hymn right before we have our offertory by the piano in that case. Okay. It's good to see you today. It's really pretty, isn't it, after having all that rain. Have any of you all ever promised somebody that you would do something like mom or dad or brother, sister, or your teacher, and then forgot about it? How many people have done that? Well, weeks and weeks ago, I promised Miss Dunham that I would do children's church. And usually when I promise somebody something, I write it down in this book because I'm forgetful. Well, I didn't write it down. And this morning, Mr. Jim and I were sitting in our recliners with our cup of coffee and the courier and the gleaner, just enjoying ourselves. And the phone rang, and it was Miss Dunham. And she said, I just wanted to remind you that you were supposed to do children's church today. <gasps> oh, me. Boy, that ended our little comfortable morning. And, you know, I just went berserk. I started running around thinking, oh, my, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then, of course, Mr. Jim always says, calm down. So I thought, I'll be real still, and you know what I always do when I get troubled, and maybe you do this too, I said a little prayer. How many of y'all do that when you get troubled? <laughs> and, you know, I thought, now, God has a lot to take care of today, and I'm probably the least of his problems. But I said, oh, please, Lord, just send me an idea. And you know what? He did. He sent me an idea, and then he also gave me a willing soul in Mr. Jim to run to Walmart <laughs> and get me some of the things that I needed, including candy. So after church today, if your mom and dad says it's okay, I'll meet you over there and give you a piece of candy. But now here is the idea that I got. I looked out my window, and what I've been doing while the weather's been so pretty, is I have been working in my flower garden. You know, finally, we got some warm weather. Well, the first thing I do when I work in my flower garden is I read about it because I want to set out the right kind of plants that will grow. So I have a book that I look at. Well, then when I go out to work, I have to put on my hat because the sun shines in my face and it gets really red if I let the sun get on it. So I put my hat on. Well, then I got busy, and all these weeds had grown up. So I had the hoe, I had the shovel, and I had the rake. Do you do that to help your mom sometimes when you plant things? So I did all that, but that doesn't get it all. So the next thing I had to do, I had to get down on my hands and knees, which really hurt, and I had to break that soil up, I had to dig it and get it all ready, and some of those big weeds 
had to snip with these snippers. And finally, I got it ready and I sowed my seeds. Now, this isn't the end. What do you have to do after you sow the seeds? Water. Yeah, you have to water them. And then as the little plants come up, which I'm going to have to do, I'm going to have to feed them. And then as the weeds come up, I'm going to have to snip those weeds out. When bugs come along, I'm going to have to spray them. And eventually, I'm going to get a pretty blooming plant. Now, where am I going with this? Our faith is like this garden. When you let Jesus into your heart, you're planting a seed. That's your faith. That's not the end of it. In order to grow your faith, there's a lot of things you have to do. There's a lot of things you need to work on. And you have to have tools just like we had here. And here's our tool. We have the Bible. And what can the Bible tell you? Don't know? Well, it can help us when we're troubled. It can tell us what we should be doing, what we should not be doing. This is God's word, and this is how we feed our faith as we read his word. Another thing we do is what you're doing today. You came to church. You try to be good with other people. You try to do kind things. And sometimes we have to use our pruners because we do bad things and we sin, and so we need to snip that sin out of our life, right? We feed our faith, and we water our faith every day. And the more we feed and water our faith, the more it grows. I used to have a little plaque that hung in my kitchen that said, bloom where you are planted. And that's what our faith is. When we plant that faith in our heart and we do all these things, all the good things, mission trips, helping other people, coming to church, reading our Bible, going to Sunday school, being kind to each other, our faith grows just like this plant and blooms. So I want you to keep that in mind this week. Are you feeding and watering your faith? Are you doing what you ought to do? I really appreciate you coming and listening to me, even though I was very forgetful today. And then after church, meet me back there, and we've got some little snicker bars. Okay? Thank you.
that didn't get printed in your book that follows our course step-by-step. It's 422. If you can open to 422 and use your worship folder to put that in there, then you'll be able to go from step-by-step to surely goodness and mercy. We're going to do the first and the second verses of surely goodness, the first and second verses of 422. But first, we'll start with that chorus step-by-step. Let's stand as we do that. pray with me. 
Father, thank you for bringing us all here today to pray and worship your name, God. Thank you for providing us with small miracles in our lives that go every day unnoticed. But thank you for breathing our life into us. Father, please be with those right now that are looking and searching for your name. Please show them a glimpse of what coming back to your heaven means, God. Please take these eyes and offerings in your heavenly name. Amen. sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. And I 
that I would uh, read another passage of scripture. This passage comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. And it's actually the passage of scripture that the song that Larry just sang is, is based on. It says, Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. One who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run for him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. This is the word of God for you and for me. A, faculty, a college faculty gathered for their weekly faculty meeting and a professor of archaeology brought with him a lamp that had recently been unearthed in the Middle East. And it was reported to contain a genie who when the lamp was rubbed, would appear and grant one wish. 
Well, a professor of philosophy was particularly intrigued by this, so he grabbed the lamp and rubbed it vigorously, and sure enough, a genie popped out of this lamp and made him an offer. He could choose one of three rewards, wealth, wisdom, or beauty. And so, without hesitation, this philosopher professor selected wisdom. Done, said the genie, and disappeared in a cloud of smoke. Well, all of the other faculty members turned toward the professor who sat there surrounded by a halo of light, and, and finally one of his colleagues whispered and said, Say something. What wise insight do you now have? And the professor of philosophy, philosophy, now much wiser than he had ever been before, sighed and he said, I should have taken the money. <laughs> Our scripture lesson from the Gospel of John today contains one of the best known sayings of Jesus. Indeed, it is exceedingly well known, but it is often misunderstood. It is the last passage that I read just a moment ago, the last part of John 10.10, 10, when Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. This is a favorite verse of scripture for a lot of Christians these days because they see it as an endorsement of their extravagant lifestyles. In other words, they equate the abundant life that Jesus talks about to living in the lap, lap of luxury. And they listen with great enthusiasm to the pitch of the TV evangelist living in his multi-million dollar home who says God wants God's people to have nice things. And certainly these TV evangelists live up to their creed. In fact, many of them live obscenely opulent lifestyles. And I'm not going to be hypocritical here because I like nice things too. And I guess that you probably like nice things. All God's children like nice things. But does that mean that we can use this verse of Scripture in John's Gospel to baptize our rampant materialism? No. It does not. But unfortunately, in today's society, we are apt to confuse the abundant life that Jesus talked about with what is often referred to as the good life. But what do we mean when we talk about the good life? Well, according to our society, the, the good life consists mostly of things. Basically, it's an accumulation of toys. It happens to all of us. I've made two trips to Goodwill this week myself. Somebody once saw an epitaph on a tomb that read like this. She died of things. The next tomb over, it said, he died providing things for her. How many of you would agree that most of us have an overabundance of things? Do you find that to be true? Folks, did you know that there are more malls in America than there are high schools? 
Did you know that last year more people filed for bankruptcy than enrolled in college? Our credo for our, our American society is shop till you drop. And we live up to that credo with vigor. Americans on average spend about six hours every week shopping. But they only spend about 40 minutes a week playing with their children. As one commentator has said, we have defined ourselves by what we have and what we use, not by who we are or the kind of people we might become. And that great philosopher and that social commentator whose satirical tongue is always placed firmly in his cheek, George Carlin, he indicts us like this. He says, that's all your house is. It's a place to keep your stuff. If you didn't have so much stuff, you wouldn't need a house. You could just walk around all the time. A house is just a pile of stuff with a cover on it. And when you leave your house, you've got to lock it up because you wouldn't want somebody to come along and take some of your stuff. But that's what a house is. It's a place to keep your stuff while you go out and get some more stuff. And sometimes you've got to move. You've got to get a bigger house. Why? Because there's no more room for all your stuff. Would you say that's true? Amen. Well, folks, I've got some news for you. This is not a uniquely American quality. No, we have exported this quality to other parts of the world as well. I read about a busload of Russian shoppers, and they were making a trip to Poland on the shopping spree, and they refused to interrupt their trip when one of their number had a heart attack and died. Instead of turning back, to take care of this poor dead person, they just left him in the back seat of the bus and continued on to Poland. And they didn't return home until after they had finished their bargain shopping. My friends, please do not confuse the good life with the abundant life. Because because folks, let me tell you something. Ultimately, all of that stuff in our house cannot satisfy our deepest needs. At best, they may bring us some temporary joy, but they will not satisfy those needs that are deep down within us. Only the abundant life that Jesus offers to us can do that. And our scripture lessons for today tell us how we can have that real abundant life. So I want to look at these passages of Scripture for a few moments this morning. You may have noticed that all three of our lessons for today compare us to In Psalm 23, we are told that the Lord is our shepherd, and if the Lord is our shepherd, then we must be the sheep. In 1 Peter, we are like sheep going astray, he says. And then in John's Gospel, We are sheep herded into a pen for the night and led out in the morning. Now, being compared to sheep is not a very complimentary thing. Let me tell you that right up front. Because sheep are dirty 
and they're smelly, and for the most part, they're pretty stupid. But the point of all these scriptures is that we have a shepherd. We have someone who looks after us and protects us. And it's someone with whom we have a deep and abiding relationship. And that is so important to living the abundant life. In fact, the first insight for abundant living that we find in our scripture today is exactly what what, uh, Larry was singing just a few moments ago. The person who has an abundant life is the person who recognizes Jesus' voice. John writes, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. My friends, the key to abundant life is not the accumulation of things. Rather, the key to abundant life is to recognize the voice of Jesus in our lives and to know that we are walking in the light of God's revelation. It is to live as Christ has called us to live because we are following the voice of Christ as Christ bids us to come with him. Let me give you an example of someone who has some understanding of the difference between the good life and the abundant life. How many of you are familiar with the name Truett Cathy? Anybody? Eh, A couple of folks, a few people do. How many of you have ever eaten at Chick-fil-A? Yes? Okay. Truett Cathy is the founder of Chick-fil-A, and as you can imagine, Truett Cathy has made a lot of money in his day. He started Chick-fil-A in 1946 with a tiny diner in Hapeville, Georgia, called the Dwarf Grill. But Truett has a keen business sense and a work ethic that was forged during the Depression, And he took that tiny diner and turned it into one of the largest chicken restaurant chains in the world. Chick-fil-A currently has over 1,300 locations. And in 2006, it had sales of over two and a quarter billion dollars. I would say that Truett Cathy's doing pretty well for himself, wouldn't you? When I was pastoring in Atlanta, I took our version, our version of the Joy Lunch Group, our senior citizens uh, group, on a uh, field trip to tour the Chick-fil-A headquarters just south of Atlanta. And while we were there, our guide was showing us around the building, and, and, and she radioed upstairs to see if Mr. Kathy was in his office or not. If he was not in his office, then we would be allowed to go in and see his office, see where he works. Well, he was not in his office at the time, and so we got on the elevator to head upstairs to see Mr. Kathy's office, and guess who got on the elevator with us? Truett Kathy himself. And he graciously invited us into his office where we just chatted for 20 or 30 minutes. But I want to tell you something about Truett Kathy. Do you know what Truett Kathy is most proud of in his life? It is not all the money that he has made. 
And it's not the number of restaurants that he has. And it's not his position of power and all of the important people that he rubs shoulders with. What Truett Cathy is most proud of is what he has been able to do with the money that he has to develop leadership and character. And yes, even Christian discipleship in the lives of young people who would not otherwise be exposed to those kinds of qualities. In 1984, Truett founded the WinShape Foundation, which stands for Shaping Winners. It started by providing college scholarships, but these were not your run-of-the-mill, take-the-money-and-run scholarships. WinShape has formed a relationship with my alma mater, Berry College, and, and it provides scholarships. But the recipients of these scholarships also engage in other activities, other opportunities that help them develop leadership and, and, and character and Christian discipleship. They will provide up to $32,000 for eight semesters and boast over 800 participants. For younger kids, Windshape sponsors a summer camp on the Berry campus for over eight, 1,800 children. And the goal of this camp is to sharpen their character and to deepen their Christian faith and their relationships. In 1987, Truett founded Windshape Homes, which provides a, a loving, nurturing home to children who are victims of circumstances that will not allow them to stay in their own homes. These are kids who need, desperately need, a stable, secure family environment in which to grow and mature. And Truett has 11 wind-shaped homes that will serve up to 12 children in each home with two full-time house parents for each house. And get this, each child that comes through one of those homes is offered and encouraged to pursue either a college or technical degree all paid for by Truett Cathy. You see, there's more to Chick-fil-A than just chicken, isn't there? We hear so much negativity about business leaders these days. We, we hear about folks cooking the books and misleading the public and getting obscenely rich while robbing the pension plans of their employees. But we need to know that there are also some business leaders out there who listen to the voice of Jesus and who live in accordance with his teachings. This gives us a little more appreciation for Chick-fil-A, doesn't it? As a matter of fact, I could go for a chicken sandwich about right now. So why don't we all meet at Chick-fil-A for lunch today? Ah, wait a minute, we can't because they're closed. Hmm. Let us live the abundant life by listening to the voice of Jesus. The second insight we have here about the abundant life is that the person who has abundant life will seek to follow in Jesus' steps. The author of 1 Peter writes, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Now what do you think he means to follow in Jesus' steps? Well, 1 Peter goes on and he tells us. 
He says he committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. Well, that's pretty high standard, isn't it? If we're supposed to follow in those steps, he committed no sin, no deceit found in, our, in his mouth. Well, what does that mean? Well, you know, so many people have such a narrow definition of sin. And if you listen to some preachers, there are only about two or three of them make any difference anyway. And that's all you hear about anyway. But, but listen to the words of 1 Peter. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. And when he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to God who judges justly. Folks, when we hear people talking about sin these days, most of the time they are referring to sin as some personal transgression that they happen to disagree with. But it's clear from this passage of Scripture that sin also has a, a relational dimension. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. And then Peter, Peter bids us to follow in Christ's steps. And what this tells me is that we show our love for Jesus Christ by how we love one another. And not only how we love those who are closest to us, but those, but also how, how we treat everyone, all people. Those who we like and those who we don't like. Those who we approve of and those that we don't approve of. Our neighbor and, as well as the complete stranger. And that's what it means to walk in Jesus' steps. I heard about a man who stopped into a convenience store one day to get a newspaper and he noticed that the owner of the store was standing there and he had tears in his eyes and he kept looking out the window across the street. And so the man asked him what was going on and the store owner said, do you see that bus bench over there across the street? He said, there's a woman who comes there every day around this time and she just sits there for about an hour knitting Buses come and go, but she never gets on, and, and no one ever gets off to meet her. And so the other day, I, I, I took a cup of coffee over to her and sat with her for a few minutes, and, and it seems that her only son lives a long way off, and she hadn't seen him in over two years. The last time she saw him, he got on board one of those buses right there, and now he's married. She's never met her new daughter-in-law. She's never seen her new grandbaby. And she told me it helps me to come here and wait. I pray for them as I knit little things for the baby and I imagine them in their tiny little apartment saving money to come home. And I just can't wait to see them. Well, the reason the owner was looking out the window at that particular moment was that the three of them the son, the wife, and their small child were just getting off the bus. And the look on that woman's face when this small family fell into her arms was a look of absolute, pure, unadulterated joy. And this joy was increased when she looked into the face of her new grandchild for the very first time. And the store owner commented, I will never forget that look for as long as I live. 
Well, the next day, that same man came back into the convenience store for his newspaper, and the owner was there again. But before the store owner could say or do anything, the customer said, you sent that son the money for those bus tickets, didn't you? Store owner looked back with eyes full of love and a smile and said, yeah, I sent the money. And then he repeated his statement from the day before. I'll never forget that look as long as I live. This man, my friends, had discovered a measure of abundant life. Folks, do you understand that following in the footsteps of Jesus means living a life for others? It's a paradox, really. For you see, the more selfishly we live our lives, the less satisfaction we feel about ourselves. But the more we are open to others, the better we feel about ourselves. So the person who lives the abundant life hears the voice of Christ and walks in Christ's footsteps performing acts of love as Christ performed acts of love. And then there's one more thing. And that is that the person who has abundant life gratefully accepts what Christ has done for us. Folks, abundant living is more than simply being a do-gooder. Because you see, abundant living is a life that's lived out in gratitude for what Christ has done for us. And it's not something that we're able to do on our own. Abundant living is a gift of God's grace. Listen again to Peter's words. He himself bore our sins in his body on on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. And then he says, by his wounds you have been healed. Then he adds these words, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. John Schmidt tells the story of a young boy who lives in Zimbabwe. This young man's name is Musumdiwa. He was rescued by a church mission called the Love More House. Listen as this young African boy describes his life. He says, my life was never very good. Even my name, Musumdiwa, means unwanted child. When I was two weeks old, my mother dumped me in a stack of old tires. The police picked me up and took me to my grandmother, and when she gave me back to my mother, she dumped me again, this time wrapping me up in rags and leaving me in a beer hall. No one ever really wanted me except for my grandmother, but she was too poor to buy enough food or to pay for my school fees. After I ended up on the streets, some people at church told me about Love More House, and they asked me to come. I'm going to finish school. I'm going to become a soccer player, and later maybe I'll have a job in a bank. Inside my head, I asked God to help me reach my goals to help me in school and with soccer, and especially to help me forgive others and not join in conflict. And someday I think that God will give me a new name, Aman, which means someone good. My friends, that young man's working hard to reach his goals, for he too would like to have the good life 
but he also knows that there's so much more. And thanks to the Love More house, this young man knows that there's also an abundant life. And even with his limited opportunities, he knows that this abundant life is a gift from God. And so he prays that one day God will give him a new name. Aman. Someone good. And I hope and pray that God gives you and me new names today. Names like someone good, kind-hearted, generous, neighborly, or even Christ-like. And most importantly today, I hope we understand that there is more to life than just the good life. There's also the abundant life. And we live this life when we hear Christ's voice, when we walk in Christ's steps, and when we gratefully accept what Christ has done for us and then do unto others. So go from this place and be someone good. Live the abundant life by living for others. Amen. We're going to sing hymn 62, All the Way My Savior Leads Me. There may be someone here today who needs to make a commitment to Jesus Christ and to accept the Lord as your Savior, as your friend, as the one who can give you abundant life. And we invite you to make that commitment today if God is leading you in that direction. Maybe God is leading you to unite with our fellowship today as we seek to be the people of Christ, as we, we seek to hear the voice of Christ and to follow in the steps of Christ. We don't always do it perfectly, but we seek to do that and we try to be good sheep following our shepherd. And maybe God is leading you to, to unite with our church and be a part of the flock. If there's anything that God is dealing in your life about today, we invite you to come and share it with, with us as we sing together all the way my Savior leads us. Would you come?
shepherd of our lives, lead on and give us the patience and the encouragement, the courage and the strength to follow. Help us, O God, to be the people that you have called us to be, listening to your voice, following in your way, gratefully accepting what you have done for us, the mercies of grace you have shown us. Thank you, O God, for your presence with us today. And go with us and lead us into this world that we may be the people that you've called us to be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.